Welcome to Course Stories, produced by the Instructional Design and New Media Team of EdPlus at Arizona State University. In this podcast, we tell an array of course design stories alongside other ASU Online designers and faculty. On today's course story... You know, human beings are really creatures of learning. We're, you know, even, even, you know, sapien in the phrase homo sapien, you know, seeker of knowledge, you know, uh, that we're, we're a knowledge-driven creature. We're a learning-driven creature. And we've, we've decided to formalize and classify and make class-based all kinds of things that we're doing. And so here we have this huge tool for democratization, this huge tool for enhancing equitable access to learning outcomes. In fact, you could find a way using YouTube connected through Crash Course, connected to colleges and universities, including ASU, you could find a way to plot your own course outside of the entire formal education process. Hi, I'm Mary Loader, an instructional designer from ASU Online. I'm Ricardo Leone. I'm a media specialist at the same place. Yeah, we work together. Let's get on with the show. Okay. Hey, homies. Hey, homies. (laughs) (laughs) We're so hip around here. I know. I know we are. We really are. So it's me, Ricardo. And me, Mary. And me, Liz. <laughs> and it's important you hear our voices because there's a lot of voices oh, yeah. in this episode. Yeah. Not only that, but you're not going to hear a lot from us today. No, not it's, really. I mean, we, I do talk to Meredith at the end. That's true. You'll hear me again. Who have we heard from already, Ricardo? I mean, you were there. Oh, that's our correspondent in the field, Dr. Michael Crow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that we scored him as a member of the team. He is. We're sending him an official Core Stories pen. <laughs> it's very special. Very special. Yeah, so uh, that's that's a conversation from uh, GSV 2023 uh, with Dr. Crow and a few of the people that were part of a project that we're going to be talking about here. And that project is Study Hall. Okay, what is Study Hall? Tell me more about this right now. Uh, Okay, I'll help. So study hall is a new path to earning college credit at our university. So before you even apply, you can be watching videos and like, you know, get into a course and see if you want to maybe do more work. And then if you do, you can actually get credit. Oh my gosh. So is it like a little like taste test of like a real ASU course? Yes. Before mm-hmm. I have to figure out if I want to do it? Yes. That's exactly what it is. I love that. I but, need more of that in my life. <laughs> but it's seasoned so amazingly well because it's a, it's a partnership with the uh, Crash Course Program, the, the production team that creates the Crash Course Program at Complexly. Complexly. Yeah. And so th- this is not only is it just like a taste of a college education, it's actually like... Really well done. Really well. Yeah. Really well made. Yeah. Well, your team helped a lot with the production of this. And then they have their own production group as well. Because it was like, well, we'll get into it. Because there's two episodes actually that Mm -hmm. we're doing. It's this one that's around Mm -hmm. the ideation of, you know, what is study hall? And like, Mm -hmm. what does that look like from the student perspective? But then there's a second episode around the production. And so you'll get to hear all the background stories of how our teams became kind of one. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a great relationship. It has. Okay. But that's not the only parts of this conversation. So we had the GSV and we'll listen to that in a second. But we're also going to be hearing from who? Yeah. So as a part of this very special episode, what I like to call from the vault, Ricardo's version, uh, a la Taylor Swift. (laughs) Yes. This has been a a long time in the making, this episode. Yeah. So there are a couple titles that have changed too, which we want to make sure we highlight. So first we're going to hear from Matt Robinson, who is the associate director of the new media team here at Ed Plus, who he's actually interviewing a few people. Mm -hmm. We have Lenora Ott, who is now the director of learning design for universal learner courses within the ASU Learning Enterprise. 
Enterprise. My homegirl, Meredith Savides, who is now a principal ID, big deal, for yeah. Study Hall specifically. Finally, we have Wayne Anderson, who's the Senior Director of Strategic Design and Development at EdPlus. And my favorite title of his, which is the Ambassador for the Weird and Unusual. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't even know that existed. I saw it in his bio and I have so many questions. I'm going to ask him (laughs) He has a cool bio and I love his little image that he put in there too. We have to bring both of them into the page. Oh, we will. So uh, the first thing that we're going to hear in this humongous episode, two-parter, is a conversation that we recorded at the GSV conference 2023 in San Diego between who are our participants in this one. So the first is our field correspondent, you know him well, Mm -hmm. Dr. Michael Crow. Mm -hmm. And we're also going to hear from Hank Green, who's the CEO of Complexly, which is the production company that creates educational content for things like Study Hall. And he's the creator of Crash Course, Mm -hmm. um, SciShow. This guy's done a lot along with his brother, John. We're also going to be hearing from Katie Kurtz, who's the managing director and global head of learning of YouTube. So these are some really big voices Mm -hmm. around some very big ideas that are supporting the mission of not only ASU GSV, the conference that we heard them in, um, but specifically the charter of ASU. Yeah, it's a big partnership between ASU huge. and Complexly and YouTube. Like, it's not huge. like we don't have you videos. I mean, we have videos on YouTube, but this is like a partnership with YouTube, the company. Yeah, and when you hear, you'll understand from Katie's perspective, like how big this really is. This, the impact and the potential reach is outstanding. Let's hear it. For these people. Let's hear it from these people. Let's listen Let's in. Let's hear it, Bob Boys. <laughs> <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. We're here to sort of deal with a dilemma of numbers. And so we have, we have uh, a country that uh, in the relatively short future, short time frame, will break 350 million people. Uh, we have an educational system that is educating some of them sometimes and significantly in inadequate ways as we move along. And so there are technologies that have come along uh, that have enabled us to reach basically almost everyone all the time with ubiquitous information across all dimensions of learning in every possible way. And there is, in the formal organized uh, educational arena, huge resistance to that notion of highly egalitarian, highly democratic, highly autodidactic uh, in empowerment through new kinds of learning systems. And so, so uh, obviously, uh, Katie's over there looking at uh, global learning at YouTube. YouTube has, I don't know, like billions upon billions upon billions of something. I know when I watch my son watch <laughs> he mostly is watching all these things about how things fail. It's just fail, fail, <laughs> fail, fail. And, and, and it's, it is kind of sad to watch. But so, so, so Katie, why don't we start with why does YouTube want to make certain that its capabilities are useful in terms of helping people to not only learn, which they certainly do through YouTube, but to learn in ways that then attach to the more formal, recognized learning processes? So what's, what's, what's behind YouTube's logic? So YouTube, as you mentioned, has uh, uh, 2 billion uh, users. 93% of them say they use the platform for knowledge and information. And so we were thinking about how we could help empower those users to think through how they could maybe break down barriers to high-impact learning experiences. And Study Hall, this project that we have all worked on together, is a great example of that. So um, just really quickly, what Study Hall is, is that it is a new on-ramp to earning college credit that begins and was built for YouTube. It's a three-part content series of 
College Foundations courses, these are some of the most commonly found college courses uh, in the US at least, um, how to college, and fast guides to majors and electives, so that taken together, a learner understands why they are taking certain courses, and the how to college and fast guides has demystified and contextualized the content within those courses, so it's part of a whole. And the learnings that are informing this project are that just increasing accessibility and affordability do not ensure student success. And we've learned that inspiration, motivation have to be pieces of that puzzle. And I think that's where YouTube comes into play. Of our two billion users that are, that are working on the platform, how can we help them take that love of learning that motivation to learn on their own, because the only thing that unites these two billion users that are learning all over the world on YouTube is that they've chosen to be there. How do we take that love of learning in an informal setting and create a pathway, a channel, to more external recognition for your learning? The, the bridge between- not, not just more external recognition, but more, more ways to project the autodidactic learning that you have been able to implement yourself, so. Absolutely, the, we think of it as the bridge between informal learning to formal education, mm -hmm. um, or curiosity to, to credits. Um, but uh, the, other, the other insight, I think, is uh, that also learning is better when done with a community. Yeah. And that's where Crash Course comes into place. Yeah. Hank and the Crash Course team, since you know, in the last 12 years, have built one of the most influential channels on the platform. Um, not just learning channels, but just channels, period, with a community of almost 15 million subscribers, and I have lost count of how many billions of views. Um, and, and they are among the very best at thinking through how to create educational video and create a strong community of support around that video. Yeah, so, so related to that, Hank, I mean, you're, you're living up in Missoula, Montana. You go to college in Florida. You're, you're floating around working with your brother and working with other people. I mean, so what is this crash course thing? How does it work? Why did you build it? What does it do? Yeah, I, uh, so my brother and I started out as YouTubers. Our goal was to get views on YouTube that, because the more views well, There's got, lots of ways to do that. Did you use the healthier ways or? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna show you every single video I've ever made on YouTube, okay. uh, just for my own reputation. Oh, thank you. But I, uh, it, it, and, and you know, we, we, we started from that perspective. You have more impact, you reach more people, it starts to be like, now why are we doing this though? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we occasionally would make a video that was sort of more educationally oriented. It like what's, be, an, what's an example of more educationally oriented? I mean, I, like at one point I, we had to make, so the rules of our, of our show were we had to make a video every day for the first year. And at one point you just run out of ideas. And mm -hmm. so I'm, you know, I was a biochemistry major um, and I was like, well, why don't I just like make a video on a high school biology subject? So I made a video about the circulatory system. It was like way more work than the average video, but it did better than the average video. And, uh, and it was using all of the same like tricks and tools I had learned to keep people's attention in a very sort of attention uh, demanding environment. Like there's right. a sidebar of videos, there's comments, there's Reddit on the other tab, there's right. your emails right. are ready to get you as well. And uh, so we're using those techniques, but also trying to uh, convey ideas. I taught a, a little course on statistics from the perspective of birth control. I was mm -hmm. like, so if it's like a one in a hundred chance that you're gonna, that a condom will fail, yeah. then uh, does that mean if you have sex a hundred times, you're gonna get pregnant? And like, no, 
that, but that's like a that's a thing that a student might think. Uh, yeah. But and and understanding statistics through that lens, it becomes very important. Um, so uh, the, the take that one with you. I'm sure that the school systems will love it. Uh, the and and so like sort of thinking, how do we how do we do a good? How do we do like how do we also seem more credible? So so so. Hank, just talk a little bit about, about where you see this going. Where are things headed? Well, oh gosh. Uh, like, why are you working with universities now? Yeah, so first thing I'll say is in, in this conversation that y'all are having right now, th there's this, this thing that I feel every time somebody says, you taught me this topic, which is that I don't, like, teaching is a lot of things. And I'm doing one of them. Um, and and, in and that, teaching and learning are not the same thing. And in, yeah, and in that situation, I think that that, like, that person's basically saying, I went to Princeton, uh, and ultimately I taught myself a lot of biology. Mm -hmm. And I used the, some of the tools that you created mm -hmm. to, to, to do that. And that feels very good to me, and I think that's the more sort of accurate way of saying... So the way, the way, the way we would see that is, that is that not everyone learns in the same way. Mm -hmm. Everyone learns in different ways. And if they teach biology at whatever college you go to in a certain way, you might not be able to learn it in that way, but you can learn also, it in another way. Yeah, there's also a huge amount of value in figuring out how to teach yourself. Yeah. And that's, like, we all do that. Like, every human does that, but we sort of, you know, put it to the side. Because but but given, where you started, robust, given where you started, where, where are you headed? So... Right now, what, what we did for 10 years on Crash Course yeah. is we made a thing and we left it there. And that was great. And I like, I, I like that strategy. We say, if this is useful for a student, if it's useful for a teacher, if it's useful for a parent, and it's How many there. people found it in that model? I mean, probably at least tens of millions, mm -hmm. maybe over 100 million. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and they're everywhere. You know, we have All a, over the our, our second biggest country is India. Mm -hmm. um, and the uh, and and then when the edu team at youtube first introduced us to, to asu honestly like people see crash course in it, like in the edtech industry and it makes them drool mm -hmm. of course it does mm -hmm. and we're very nervous about that mm -hmm. uh, that's like we we we're very nervous about partnerships we're very nervous about these relationships mm -hmm. uh, because people have Honestly, not always great motivations in this industry. Well, they often have one motivation. Yeah. Money. Yeah, and it's good. It's good to have more than one. Yes. Um, and uh, it's, and so and so I you know you you can smell it sometimes and and so we're really nervous about that and and also institutions universities it oftentimes do have the best of intentions but they're slow and hard to work with. No. So when when that introduction happened, I was like eh, and my dad was like, I think you should take these guys seriously. You know, I read about them. It's different. They're thinking about this differently. They're, uh, and... Thanks and, to your dad now. I'm really excited. You should meet him. <laughs> You'd like him. He's very cool. Um, you've had, I think you've had some career overlaps. Yes. I'm I bet. Um, and, uh, yeah, and the, um, the, the, that's, it's scary for us yeah. to say, okay, how do we actually... So what's the scary on, part? When you say scary, what do you mean by that? Um, the scary part is that I understand what problem I'm solving when I'm making a video on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get the YouTube algorithm to say, I'm trying to get, well, I'm trying to get the YouTube algorithm to get the inputs from people mm -hmm. that are going to watch the video, they're going to comment on the video, they're going to share the video, they're going to watch another video after the one they've watched. All those inputs that are going to make the, the, it more likely that people are going to see our content. Yeah. 
and, uh, and I'm also trying to teach people. So I'm trying to do both of those things at the same time, that's easy. Mm. There's a lot, that you're, a lot of problems that you can solve if you want to be in the higher education industry. That's why there are so many different businesses solving problems. Right. And we have to figure out what problem we want to solve. And that was tricky. You know, if we wanted to make the most money, I know exactly what problem we'd try, we'd mm -hmm. try to solve. Mm -hmm. And that's um, how do you help rich kids have, like, you know, a higher, like, get into a higher status school or whatever. Yes. Like, how do you help rich kids? Yes. That's the problem you want to solve. Because people will give you money for lots yeah. of money for that, right? Because if you have a B2C thing right. and you right. can build that and somebody will buy it for a lot of yeah. money. Um, and the, and, and, but, but the problem that, you know, you have, if you had a thing like Crash Course, imagine what you would do with it. Like, we didn't mean to build this thing yeah. that would be a, right. a, like, we just were trying to solve one problem. Yeah. But now we have this thing that a lot of people think could help their business or, yeah. like, what do you do with that? Right. And, uh, and the first conversations we had with the people at, on your team were like, with what you want to do with that is try and reach the people who are being let down mm -hmm. by the system. Right. And there are the lots inequities of ways. in our system. Yeah. Yes. And they understood that way better than I did. Mm -hmm. And they helped me understand that yeah. it really quite quickly. But yeah. you know, the, the stuff they helped me understand was very complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, and and from that understanding is where yeah. is like the, the different sort of three big pieces of study hall came from. Right. So Hank for you and in Crash Course, I mean now you're you're bringing order to the to the form that you've helped build and you're working in new kinds of ways, where, where, do, you, where do you want it to be 20 years from now? Well, I mean, I, I think that we like, have to be honest about America, that there is a, there, there's a reality to, um, you know, that, that like the, I don't know if this is, it, it's true in a lot of ways that the greatest predictor of student success is their zip code which is not like, there's nothing special about your zip code, but it is a good predictor of how uh, how much money is around, mm -hmm. um, and that we fund high schools in this country based on property taxes. We need to look that straight in the face and say that's set up for a uh, that's set up for a particular outcome. Yeah. But what the future like? We can't fix all those problems all at once. There are things we can do, and we should be doing them. But the thing that we should be looking forward to in the future is saying there isn't one way to do this, and this has happened. In all, in, like I think of teaching as media, which I apologize for, but this has happened in all media, where we get these fractures to better serve different demographics. Yeah. And that fracture is happening now. There is not one way to educate students. There are lots of different students with lots of different kinds of needs, and we need to be picking that into little pieces to understand how to best serve those people. And that market is there, it's hungry, it's ready, and there are people who want to solve those problems. All right, well, let's thank the panel and... Uh... I use YouTube for learning all the time, mm -hmm. and it's so cool to hear how YouTube, how Katie, how Hank Green, how all these guys came together to leverage that and to give me credit for learning online. I know, because I'm just wasting hours on YouTube, honestly. I know. So, so now, the second part of this episode, we actually get to talk to the people who are behind the scenes and making this happen, right? Mm -hmm. At yeah. ASU, specifically, in this episode. Okay, so uh, let's get into it. But go ahead, uh, Liz, can you please remind us uh, who's in this episode? Yeah, so for this next part, we're going to get to hear from Matt Robinson, the Associate Director of the New Media Team, Lenora Ott, Director of Learning Design for Universal Learner Courses within the ASU Learning Enterprise, and Wayne Anderson, who is the Senior Director of Strategic Design and Development at EdPlus. 
Hello, listeners. My name is Matthew Robinson. I am the manager of new media here at Ed Plus. And with me today, I've got two wonderful guests. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Hey, Matt. I'm Wayne Anderson. I'm Senior Director of Strategic Design in Ed Plus. And what that means is I get the opportunity to work on transformational type projects in the digital teaching and learning space. So a lot of emerging and new ideas, often with partners. I've done a lot of work with Coursera and edX, partners like Uber and Starbucks, and help with our digital prep academy in the early days. Uh, So a lot of kind of new and early areas. So today, I think we're going to be talking about study hall, which I'm excited to talk about. And hello, listeners. My name is Lenora Ott, and I oversee a team of instructional designers who build the classes that make this happen. Wonderful. Well, welcome both. And listener, you're probably wondering, well, how do these two things connect? And we will get to that. But I think we should start first in talking about study hall. And Wayne, can you kind of walk us through a little bit about how this came came about? Sure. So it really started with us as a university thinking about how should we show up on YouTube better? What should a university do on YouTube? And, and you might ask like, well, why? Why is that important? Why should we think about that? So YouTube with that lens on is a 2 billion user a month video site that actually 90% of the people say they go there to learn something. So it's really, if you look at it that way, it's the largest digital learning platform on the planet. So a university should be, that, that is passionate about digital education and access, should be doing everything we can to, to be doing great things in that space. So that's kind of the, the why. Like, why would this be even something of interest for the university? And then looking at what was currently happening, there's a lot of bulletin board material for universities. Like, here's our graduation video, and here's a little bit about an athletic event, or Here's like kind of drips, but not really a consistent educational view of, of material. So that's that's really what we looked at. Step two is like, well, how do you do that? And if I don't know how much you learn in, on YouTube or go to YouTube, so I might just ask this. We're going to have a conversation like, do you use YouTube to learn something? And what do you learn? So Lenora? Absolutely. Um, most recently, I was trying to teach myself knitting and YouTube was the first place that I went. First you know, one. in those pandemic hobbies that you might adopt, I decided to take up knitting and the first place I looked was YouTube. That's often, you know, where you start is like, I, I have an immediate need, I'm solving that need. And then I might build this relationship with somebody that's creating knitting content or has a great like visual effects channel. So that's been kind of our evolution and that YouTube has kind of fostered those people and given them a platform, given them, you know, I think a thing that YouTube has done better than other channels is a way to actually monetize and make a living at, at that, especially in the educational space. But they have endemic creators that have found a way to reach audiences on a platform with quality learning content because that's usually maybe the first kind of dart you get is like, well, it's like Wikipedia. That's, it's a lot of junk out there, which is true, but there's a lot of good stuff too and a lot of quality stuff. So that was our, when you say like, how did we get here? Like our first realization is we just couldn't take thousands of videos we do at ASU online and just say, let's just dump them on YouTube that wouldn't reach people in the same way. So finding somebody that understood the balance of entertainment and engagement, and I'd maybe swap out that word entertainment with engagement, engage-utainment. I don't know if anybody's ever used that. Captivating, yeah. yeah. It's something that, because you're competing then, like you think of a course, like a, a university course, you're kind of locked in, like I'm I paid, I'm here, I'm going to either push through it or I'm going to drop out or do something in between. But 
on YouTube, it's like I have my attention for a couple seconds and then I could watch Mr. Beast. Or I could watch like something totally different that is like pulling my attention. So those educational creators that have found a way to resonate, have that audience come back. There are a few, a few of those, but trying to align with them is, was our goal. But how we found the partner was a little bit fortuitous that YouTube invited us to like a small event 2019, I think, uh, called Educon where they bring in those top educational creators, usually people that have like a, over a million subscribers on their channel. Some may be emerging that are in the hundreds of thousands range. A few of us from ASU went. I randomly ran into John Green and learned a little bit more about what they were doing, talked a little bit more about ASU and the mission and found a way that we had similar philosophical alignment what we were trying to accomplish as organizations and for them companies. And then with some support from YouTube, we're able to to formalize our first work, which was on our ASU channel around study hall and launched the series of four supplemental videos at that time. Now you, you mentioned that, you know, as you search out there on YouTube and you see all of these different contents, one of the things that was unique about Complexly, right, is they kind of formed this brand, but it was also trusted that the content was of a certain level. Can you speak a little bit to like, then what is the value add of like having a university like ASU kind of also have content out there on YouTube that people can then trust the quality of the content because of a university backing. Yeah, no, that, you're right. I think the university brand is one thing. And honest, like being frank, at first, this wasn't a crash course in, in Complexer. Like, we want to work with universities. Like, they actually had turned away many universities because we're very difficult to work with. And the pace of work and like the ability to pivot and change often isn't the case. So there was some work there just to get the right alignment and then the working alignment together. But why university? One for us, it was that we have great faculty, the knowledge core as we talk about it internally in ASU and, and externally. But the idea that a research university like ASU is creating this foundation of new knowledge and information and teaching it at scales that many other universities aren't. And to be able to take some of those insights and, and expand it in this way is, is why we thought it was valuable. So that establishes the formation of this partnership of the study hall project. Where are we now currently? Because it's definitely changed, right? Since 2019, when that first conversation happened. Yep. Yeah, a lot has happened. There was a, you know, the pandemic was a big part in the middle there that changed. Uh, we actually launched March 2020. So right as the pandemic was hitting. So I think timely in the sense that you could not predict, but valuable to people that were new at a distance. We had a lot of early comments on that. So our first work was in just proving that out. Could we work with a partner that created educational content on YouTube and have a good alignment with our faculty, with our brand and create something that we both were proud of? We are happy about that. We grew our YouTube channel. I didn't mention that. So part of our metric at the beginning was could we grow the ASU YouTube channel? So we are tracking against the top other university channels around. We grew our channel about 150% faster than those. We were over 100,000 subscribers. We started about 18,000 uh, when we first launched it. So we were doing the good things about growing a YouTube channel. One thing I didn't mention at the beginning, and this gets back to a creator and why in this 2 billion number. One other metric that I, I like to share is, and this goes back to like how universities show up. So if you took like the top 100 ranked universities I'd say, I think we looked at this domestically. So think of all the, the big schools you would think of that would be prominent. Take their YouTube channels, add them all up, look at the kind of key metrics of views and subscribers. If you did that, those top 100 schools, and, and even adding into like MIT has open courseware, which is a big channel, Yale has courses, which is a big channel. So you add those ones in there. Crash course alone is 
twice as many subscribers as all of those and three times as many views. So they're reaching more learners than the top 100 universities in the US. So that's part of the why. Like we need to, as a university, reach people where they are better. So that got us to like, what is this next phase? So what we're doing now, uh, and Lenora can can speak to, to learning enterprise in this because it's really... As, as study has evolved, the university has evolved into kind of our three enterprise areas of knowledge enterprise, academic enterprise, and now the learning enterprise, which is really focused on learners that are, and I'll give my description and you can add to it, <laughs> but learners that are, that are not in credit and academic courses, but the 60-year curriculum, the K to gray, all the different methods that learners uh, need to get connected to universities, and then the different kind of credentials or experiences they might need uh, to, to support them on their, their pathways. But Yeah, I think that that's a really nice description of it. I would say that the learning enterprise goal is to provide education across the entire lifespan. So there is that like kindergarten, high school, mid-career, post-retirement. There are different pieces of the learning enterprise that help with these areas. We have you know a lot of experience working with learners and getting them interested from the general public area somebody who maybe isn't sure that college is right for them at this time or that they don't have the right skill set. And these are the same learners. There's an overlap here with the learners who would kind of seek things on YouTube and maybe they're interested in them. And I think Wayne said this, you know, when you typically take a college class, you pay up front, there's this big initial investment, there's tuition, and then you either make it through the end and you do really well, or maybe you do really poorly and you decide college isn't for you. We want to prove that to them up front. So we are creating the space for them to find interest, to see like, oh, I really like this. I didn't know that I was interested in English, or I didn't know that I was interested in this aspect of history. This is super captivating to me, to prove to them that that's interesting and that then they can operate and produce produce work at that level, at a college level. That's what the classes that we design build. And I and I would say for me, that's the heart of what I'm hoping we achieve and continue to expand on in study hall. That's why I'm so excited about this partnership. Lenore, I imagine with such a wide potential audience, when you think about universal learner, meeting learners wherever they are in their life, YouTube's sort of lack of a barrier to access, it has to be somewhat advantageous or is a potential asset here. Absolutely. I think one of the things that I really like about it is that because it's authentic, right, learners are already seeking out something that they're interested in, or maybe they become comfortable with the study hall brand and they continue to find more and more information there. I feel like what's nice about that is it gives us an avenue to convince people that higher education and college education is value added on top of that YouTube experience. So when you're in YouTube and you're watching a series of videos that you really like, you may not even consider that there is something worthwhile at the higher education at the college level in watching these videos and and testing your knowledge on them. I think that that's a big difference between somebody seeking out opportunities for college courses by maybe entering uh, into an internet search browser, you know, college courses that are low cost or that I can test. We're actually meeting them at their interest point and then helping them find like where that serves them rather than them looking for a college provider and happening to like stumble upon us. So we're hoping to meet them at their interest first and then say, hey, you could go to college and learn all about this rather than hope that we show up at the top of their search engine when they're looking for college opportunities. The second phase that we've we've outlined for study hall is really we were really strategic about the three areas we thought we could help impact college going rates. And a couple of those are in just 
what is college? Is it for me? We have a series. We actually launched this on Crash Course as a way to introduce the new study hall channel. So one big shift in the phase two is moving away from the ASU main channel and launching a, a dedicated study hall channel, which is a big effort growing a new audience on a new channel. Uh, and that's the work that we're currently doing a lot of. So How to College is a 15-episode series that does that, that really tries to help people navigate in, through, and then out of and to be successful in universities. The second is making a decision on what you want to be when you grow up, kind of, or what to study, kind of fields to study. We called them fast guides. We're kind of tweaking the thumbnails and names, which is a, a thing we'll do a lot of to try to grow that channel. But really focusing on not a specific, we have some specific majors, but really like broad fields, ideally, is we're trying to introduce people to what you might be, need to be interested in to be successful or like that. So what, you know, do you need to like math to maybe be successful in these fields? Uh, what can you do with it when you graduate? So trying to really set up that employability or make decisions around employability. And then where you might pivot if you can't, like if you're, I get into nursing and I decide, yeah, nursing isn't for me, here are some options you could pivot out and not lose a lot of progress. And then the third and the biggest one is trying to take that framework of universal learner and, and continue to broaden how the access of that. So if we can combine high quality kind of video spine with a, a pathway from a video and, and kind of build videos together into a formal experience, that's the big test that we're interested in and we're working closely. So our partners are in this are Complexly Crash Course and YouTube proper. So YouTube is helping and we're working with teams around what learning looks like on YouTube and trying to find ways that we can move from, I had a, an immediate need and a question about one thing. And now I've kind of progressed to like, I want to go from learning a few things to actually getting credit. So this, the third part of that is like the solving of, can I make progress towards an undergraduate degree in an alternative way that de-risks it. So somewhat financial, somewhat in just experience. Can I try a college level class that proves to me that I can be successful? I can build some credits that are actually going to be useful somewhere. We do anticipate that at some point, if our learners are captivated by what we've created in the study hall project, they want to get college credit. And at that point, we want to invite them into an online learning experience that does result in that college credit. And the design of that entire experience has been guided with the faculty who often in many cases advised on the scripts, helped us outline them. So they've been integrated throughout the whole lifeline, whole timeline of the course. Um, so although this, the videos that are being generated by Study Hall serve as the backbone, the initial content, the introduction, it isn't where the learning is. So when they enter the classroom, what they learned from YouTube, they'll be able to figure out, what do I remember from this episode? What was the most important? What were the learning objectives? And they'll be able to take that learning and then dig deeper with provided readings from open education resource uh, providers, maybe additional lectures here and there that help them kind of understand nuance. So, so much more learning will happen beyond that initial invitation on YouTube. And then that is also where learners will get to do things that we traditionally associate with assessment. So they might engage in discussion. They might submit some type of a portfolio. They might write an essay response. There will be all types of, I would say there are really a, a, 
wide variety in the designs that I've been seeing of the kinds of things that learners will get to do once they actually make the leap from YouTube into one of our courses and then try their hand at getting college credit. And I think that that part's really exciting. And the faculty have been so intertwined with with building this experience. And I, and I do have to give them extreme credit for, for trusting us because so often the role has been that they wear all of the hats. And so they're really trusting us a lot with building the course experience that allows allows for such a large number of learners to experience it, make things that matter, really create meaningful learning experiences, use what we know about needing to engage learners from diverse audiences and provide that equity to change maybe how due dates are structured or what a communication policy looks like or second attempts, like things that help learners who may not otherwise succeed in college learn how to do college better. So that way then when they join the full-length programs at at ASU that they are ready to take on that role. Maybe they weren't previously, but now they are. So I think that's one of the really exciting parts about like after they have that initial interaction on YouTube coming into the full length courses and getting that opportunity to just learn more and prove what they know. One of the things I find so incredible about this project is the way that it truly embodies ASU's charter, which is you know, you're looking, you know, our, our charter says that we're measured by right now who we exclude, but who we include in that this project in particular seems to try to include such a wide breadth of learners at so many different ranges of where they are, not only in just their college career and thinking, but just in life and, and how they view learning. So uh, it, it really impresses me just the effort and involvement of this entire project from the faculty level that you just mentioned to the production team that I manage and all of the, the different things that are going into this to try to reach such an, a, a wide audience for it. So um, I'm super impressed by all of that. Thank you. It's very, very exciting. Yeah. And it's, you're right. It does take an, ins- I don't, I can't think of another university that we would be doing anything like this at. like it is it's been an institutional buy-in level so up to, you know up to president crow that that is committed people like maria leading the learning enterprise and phil the dean of ed plus to to see the potential and and give a give the teams a chance to take the risk uh support externally all the deans that have kind of bought in and signed in you know either helped Identify faculty to work on it, identify people to be on camera, that level of university support, but it's been around the, the university charter and mission, I think elicits that kind of reaction to these kind of things. It's not like there's like a blueprint for this, right? No. It's not been done. I mean, it, I think about when the pandemic hit, right? And it was production initially, right? Was yeah. over in Missoula, Montana, right? With sure. the Complexly Studios. Then the pandemic hit and it was suddenly like, oh, we have our hosts and faculty locally here in the ASU Phoenix area. And, you know, what are we, how are we going to not just be completely halted on this project? That's where the new media team that I managed were able to step in and sort of take on production, which was a welcomed challenge to try to validate ourselves and our, our level of work against something like Complexly. Our videos, you know, get like I think four point nine million views by a lot of learners here, but it's in that insulated class structure, online class structure. Complexly is making stuff out for the world, right, on YouTube on such a public platform, and so for us to get to sort of step up and and take over that production, and now 
for the majority of the production for this second phase mm-hmm. uh, happening in our studio has been just a, a wonderful experience for my team. I think we've all felt really close to this project and it comes back, I think, to just the, the, the general charge of this project is something so uh, appealing and worthwhile that um, I think we're just really excited to be a part of it. Yeah, no, I definitely want to thank you, Ricardo. Might be on this or not. I don't know if you're behind the scenes or not on the podcast. <laughs> uh, but no, just the, the team. I mean, that you're right. That kind of stepping in when we had to take over the studios was huge. And then also, I think to me, part of like good partnerships, like this one, I feel is a, is a strong partnership is where we are, have a common goal and we are trying to s- advance towards that and then solve the problems as they arise. Cause we don't really know how to get there. And John, our, our YouTube colleague and contact I'm trying to his analogy is is he's a hiker so he's like we're not on a trail like we don't know this is where we're going we're wayfinding like we know where we want to go but we're going to have to stop and pause and reevaluate and look at like oh we should go left here around this rock and then we'll look at the next rock and say that's a cliff we need to either get a rope or we need to go around the other way so it's like we're wayfinding together as partners and I think your team has been great at like helping with that let's say the second part of that which I think is really valuable is, and hopefully it's happening, is some knowledge transfer, right? That we're picking up things that complexly might be doing and, and often budget and time are, are indicated, but there's probably some other things of like, how could this impact other things we're doing that is within our ability? And hopefully that that's happening too, that this has kind of the tertiary impact that might not be directly to study all, but helps other things that ASU would want to do in the educational space. Because Honestly, I think study hall is like a, a big first step and we have the resource to, to do it to, on study hall or on YouTube. But I think there's a lot of other things that we need to be advancing around the strategy for YouTube that's beyond this, like how to college and, and get started in undergraduate. I think there's a lot more that can be done and hopefully some of that your teams could help with in the future. Yeah, absolutely. We've learned a ton through this process, things that we are able to apply to the content that we're creating for our ASU online courses, but also just the entire approach has been such a a unique thing to see. We don't generally deal with like the writing process, the scripting process, the, the performance process, right? We have, we mostly are helping faculty take the content that they need to deliver for their online courses and make that as professional and high quality as possible. But there is a whole other element at play with study hall. I don't know if we've really detailed or if there's anything, Lenore, to add about kind of that writing process, that working with faculty development, because that's certainly something that was very new to us. I would say it's been super interesting for for our design team, too. I'm typically, in a similar role to you all, we've really helped them prepare for those professional months where the faculty then themselves are on camera with slides that they've prepared. I think we've learned a lot throughout this process of conceptualizing the videos, what they're going to turn out to be, and then how they are embedded in part of this course. I think one of the really cool things, one of the things that we've gotten to at this point now is having the instructional designers, having Complexly, having Ed Plus, like in the room together at the beginning of thinking about what a course is going to look like, what it's going to be. And we're doing all of that. <laughs> Maybe it seems a little chaotic, but we're doing it all at the beginning, right? So right when the when the faculty member says, you know, what learners need to do when they leave this course is they need to be able to do these things. 
immediately the instructional designers are like, how do we get them to that place? And then Complexly is there for like, how do we make that captivating and how do we build episodes and a video framework around it? So there's all of these really cool voices and perspectives in the room and the products that are being created, the way that we are setting up the outline of episodes, which then turn into outlines where the faculty say, like, these are what my content points would be. And then we pass it off to Complexly and we have their professional script writing team say, this is how we think we'd turn this into a captivating story while still expressing the content. And then the faculty look back at it and say, you know, you'll want to adjust this here, include this example here, you know, include these learners here. This is a nice help. This is a nice example. We have this really wonderful feedback loop that's developing so that way when the video is actually in the studio, and being filmed. We already know that the video product being created supports the other readings, assessment, and items in the course that the learners will engage with. I think it's really, really cool. And I do think it's going to influence how we approach building classes. For sure, new classes in the ULC portfolio, but I can definitely see this influencing other builds as well. I think it would be helpful to hear if I'm someone who out of college, wherever I am in my college and learning journey, I come across a video in study hall, you know, where can I go with that? I'm interested. I'm engaged with the content. What are the sort of next steps that you kind of envision with this project? I think one of the things that is really, really cool is what we envision happening is that the videos will always have the invitation to to dive into what a full-length course experience looks like, but they also will have the invitation to connect to each other. So you might watch an intro to video, and then it might be followed by principles of field video. And then at each one of these points, you might see something that's like, hey, how about a college class on this if you're really interested? How about this? But you might watch several videos before you say, you know what, I am I am like 15 videos deep into investing in this topic. What does the rest of this college class look like? And at that point, we're figuring out what we're calling it. But I think Wayne can speak to more of a lobby experience for learners when they're ready to make this leap. We've called it a lobby for now, for lack of a better word. But just a space that you can go from video watching to act actually applying something in as authentic as a way as we possibly can get for that learning need or that context. And then that's like more real time. So these courses will run on a semester basis, as, as we mentioned. Ideally, we can maybe get to an on-demand state. But until then, it's like, how do I go beyond a set of videos and do something more and then maybe do a little bit more before I take that full commitment? You'll notice it's not called like ASU study hall. We're pretty intentional. It's developed by ASU faculty and ASU is represented there. But our goal is to expand this to other universities and colleges in, in some way. It's an expansion of the ASU charter. So it's inviting other people to help others serve more people. I think it's just increasing the invitation for access to higher ed. It doesn't have to be with ASU. Like we are including more people at the table of what it means to go to college and to be a learner in higher education. And so I think as we partner with other universities and as we do that, it's still mission driven. It's still charter driven for us to be a part of that ask. I think it's really important to be clear that some people might say, oh, how are you going to deliver a college course on YouTube? People are just going to watch a playlist and then you're like, congratulations, it's yeah. college credit. And I was like, no, of course not. But some people are, are concerned that that might be what happens. It is so much more than just a multiple choice quiz at the end of watching some videos. The invitation to then enter into a learning experience, like those learning experiences are equivalent to what the learners would do here on campus or at ASU online. Like they are challenged in the same way to the same risk. We're just building the ladder with little steps in between. So that way, when they get there, they've gained those skills on the way. So I think that's really important that it's not just a video 
quiz, you get a degree <laughs> type yeah, of experience. Right. Like there are some critical skills that are taught. The ULCs specifically have a mission of like workforce competency type skills and critical thinking skills. And so these are integrated and infused into those expanded designs when learners enter into the full-length learning experience beyond what they will initially address in video. Well, Wayne and Lenora, this has been a fantastic conversation about a project that I care very deeply about. I think we've learned so much about the vision of this project, where it started, where it's going. I think it's just beautifully aligns with not only the the success that ASU Online has had, but also with the EdPlus Charter and just with a real thoughtfulness about learners and where to meet them and where to um, advance learning. Uh, I love that it's not just that we're breaking out so far from a traditional thought of 18 to 22, you're in college. This project's really unique for that. So thank you so much for talking with me today. I appreciate it. I think I'm just going to say, do the YouTube things of Go to study hall, YouTube slash study hall, subscribe, like, like every video, comment a bunch. Love the comments. Comments are great. That's like my favorite part. The The quality of comments on study hall is, is amazing. So please add some comments. Yeah. And then the courses in that experience will be at gostudyhall.com. So love to share that as well. Excellent. Thank you both. Thank you. So what was really cool to me was to hear that not only from the GSV conference where Hank Green's like, you know, I, we were kind of apprehensive to work with anybody because of the consideration of like, what's really your intent here? To then hear from Wayne, like, yeah, you know, we chatted on the floor. So like, that's when it happened, right? So like, they're having these conversations, building trust in these environments like the ASU GSV. And then these big projects take place. So it's interesting to see like from the ideation perspective, but the next conversation we're going to have, I happened to talk to Maris Savitas, who's one of the instructional designers that supported this early on in the project. And then, you know, became a principal instructional designer, which is amazing. Um, and she really talks about how they did it, what systems they used, and what that first experience was like. I am joined by Meredith Savitas, who is one of the talented instructional designers that assisted in the study hall project and also happens to be facilitating our first cohort through these study hall classes at ASU. And Meredith, I have some questions. How did you become included in this? Uh, True Ed plus style, somebody asked you to do something and then you did more than you thought you were hey, going to do. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Sound familiar? <laughs> no, somebody reached out and said, no, this is actually kind of funny. Somebody reached out and said, hey, uh, is there anyone who can help out uh, Wayne's team with some badging? And I said, yeah, I can help with badging. And then it wasn't badging. It was <laughs> it was building a course in Google Classroom. That eventually um, would so, get badged. Yeah. It was a total lie. It was yeah. just like... No, ba badging badging's still on the horizon. <laughs> but, but we do have a course and we do have four courses in, in Google Classroom. So my participation in this, you know, things morph all the time and they grow and that's totally fine. When I heard about the project, just like my other colleagues at Ed Plus, I feel like we are always drawn toward these sorts of projects that speak to our charter. You know, these, totally. uh, this was, you know, the principles of this project speak to, you know, reducing barriers, reducing friction, thinking about how we can provide learners who are not necessarily on the path to college or higher ed, who don't even know that they're learners yet, who don't feel like I'm a student to give them the opportunity to take great courses taught by ASU professors and have great content, our study hall videos, 
and feel what it's like to go to, to college and then go through the course and potentially, if they would like to, get college credit. It's amazing. Yeah. So really serving the community. Absolutely. And, you know, it was such an easy for students to be able to apply for this. They don't have to go through any of the general. Like submit all your information to us, get an ASC right. Meet with your counselor, all of the things that can be barriers that can cause some stress for students who are who are trying to get into the the higher ed space. So it was a very simple go to this website, sign up, pay your $25, you're in the course. Amazing. Yeah. Now I'm familiar with Google Classroom because our kids use Google Classroom in a lot of the elementary schools and junior highs around Arizona, Mesa Public Schools. Arizona and the world. Mary. Okay. So there (laughs) you go. If you've been in K-12 in the past four years, you've been in Google Classroom. So And you have experience in the K through twelve world. Yeah. So you knew Google Classroom going into this. Yeah, I exited just before the pandemic. So we had used it, but we hadn't tested it as much as we have done, you know, for for this project. So lots of new learning, lots of exploration. And this is like Google Classroom on steroids um, because we have we don't have um Typically with Google Classroom, you don't have opportunities to for like LTI connections, and we have them in here. So we have tools that we've included links to. So what is LTI? LTI stands for Learning Tools Interoperability. Basically, it means that it's a way for two things to talk to each other. So we have Google Classroom, and we have in one of the courses, well, in three of the courses, we have Harmonize, which is oh, our third-party tool. Cool. And so it's it's a way that they can link and talk to each other. I like Harmonize. It's a good discussion platform. Yeah. Yes. Students have liked it so far. So, nice. Yeah. What have been some of the takeaways from your experience around the discussion boards that you've seen so far? So it's pretty early, but uh, we have had a discussion uh, going uh, in three of the courses, uh, and just to introduce yourself, and nothing can validate uh, the work that we all put in um, as much as reading intros from students, seeing why they're there, and the appreciation for a course like this existing, it's awesome. We have people from all walks of life. We have young and not as young. (laughs) Yeah, we have all learning backgrounds. We have all different walks of life, people from all over the globe joining us. A very diverse group, which makes for such an amazing learning community. So... Very cool. An opportunity to connect with people you would never connect with had this not existed. Yeah, in a space where you almost never knew that you could be. That's cool. The real deal. This is it. This is what college is like. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So tell me about these introduction posts that you've been reading. So I'm going to try to summarize, okay? Yeah. A couple that stuck out for me. Some people like graduated high school just before COVID hit. Uh, Mm. And so that sort of... Takes the wind right out of your sails, doesn't it? Yeah. And going to college or university is you know, was not necessarily in the best interest. And so, you know, a year turns into three or four for sure. students. And then, and then, you know, taking that initial step back into the college experience can be very difficult. So this was just a great opportunity for them. And we see that not just with students who just graduated high school, but we have people who have told us that, you know, they've had children and their children are all grown up and they've had two careers and they're kind of at this place in their life where they're like, okay, now what? 
should I pursue something else? And and so that's always cool to see. And then stories about kind of hardships and, and how this fits into those hardships because this was easy and flexible, you know, people taking care of loved ones and just having this opportunity that could fit into a very tricky situation in their lives. So, and then lots of like, I think I can do it this time, you know, like passionate learners here who are like, I'm ready to try again. And so, you know, we want to be as responsive as possible to those students and and uh, encourage them, support them, be there, you know, all hands on deck, because this could be their kind of make or break opportunity. A lot of hands in this, which was awesome. You know, I'm here to talk about it, but I think it was just because everyone else is busy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There were so many people working in this project. and takes a village. It does take a village to raise a child and make a Google Classroom. Uh, Like when I say that people were over and above ready to help. I I mean, it's just amazing. You know, people on other teams, you know, I reached out for all all sorts of random things. Hey, can anyone update this transcript file? Can we, you know, and, you know, people from OpenScale supported and then, you know, the the UX team and, and our team. It was just, you know, not surprising also when you're at Ed Plus, right? Or Does this happen all the time? ASU in general, right? True, I mean, true. truly, we hire great people who are dedicated to the charter. Yeah. And this is a really good representation of that. Yeah. So appreciations to everyone who just went above and beyond to make it happen. What are the differences between the facilitation methods that you can use? And does it really change the student experience? What do you think about that? As far as like your course development went, like, did the student experience really change that much? And how did you overcome that? Yeah. In terms of the experience, we wanted it to mirror as much as possible the Canvas experience. And when I say mirror, we have the same outcomes, the same level of rigor. We need students to leave these courses being able to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. One thing we needed to consider was that our audience, again, doesn't necessarily consider themselves students yet. Mm. And so a little bit more information provided about what students do. For example, in a syllabus, we would typically just say, um, here's how the grades are broken down. Mm -hmm. In the syllabus in our Google Classroom, we say in college, they use this certain grading scale. We wanted to be sure that we weren't making any assumptions Mm -hmm. about anybody, about their experience. Mm -hmm. And so really thinking through filling in any gaps with anything, you know, I don't know how to do something or I'm unsure of myself. I need more support. Sure. So same assignments, same outcomes, same learning objectives, but really honing in on the vocabulary How? of a learner. Yeah. yeah. And and like obsessed with them succeeding. Right. Not that we aren't obsessed with all ASU students succeeding. <laughs> There's just an expectation level in classrooms. Like really good example with the syllabus. We just tell you what's expected and you're yeah. expected to do it. <laughs> yeah. <And laughs> Whereas even, that's not very like soft, right? It's not very inclusive right. or warm. And we do have, you know, uh, ULC have done, has done a great job of this with even explaining why you would read a syllabus mm. and why it matters. So lots of those, you know, pieces we, we did pull um, because 
because they were essential, you know, to tell students, here's why you do what you do. Mm-hmm. And we always preach to to any of the faculty we work with, this is a best practice. Tell students why they're doing what they do. Sure. But these courses, because we're really focused on the platform agnostic, it doesn't matter where we host this material and this learning. We had to make sure that the material stood on its own, assignments were relevant, and that they understood why they were doing everything. Mm, Very tailored, very curated experience for the students who don't know their students yet. You are. We all are. students. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Meredith, this has been just delightful. Thank you so much for expressing your experience in supporting these courses, not only in Google Classroom, but through the community and helping Learning Enterprise with this very large project of Study Hall. It's so impactful what you're doing. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me again. And we'll give you an update. We're gathering student feedback as much as possible throughout the course and at the end. And so we are just dying to know, you know, their experience and and then pivot. Yeah, um, how can we improve? Yeah, Yeah. how can we get things better for everybody? So uh, we did acknowledge to all the students, you know, you are the first cohort. We're so excited that you're here. Please let us know if there's anything uh, we can help you with. So hopefully they do and we can make updates and, you know, support the next group. As I'm sure you will, because you always do. We appreciate you, Meredith. Thank you. Thank you. What an incredible episode. And it's not over yet. No, there's a part (laughs) two. There's a part two. How cool. I'm loving that. So listening to all of this, though, I can't help but to think about my own experiences as a YouTube user and how I use it. Like YouTube learner. Yeah, I I think it's an official title now after this episode, right? (laughs) Um, We'll talk to Katie. (laughs) We'll get some t-shirts. We'll make it happen. We know people. But I think about how I use it all the time to, like, I'm such a visual learner, especially when it comes to, like, some of my creative crafts where, like, I need to see how to do this particular stitch and having that visual connection does so much for me. But it also had me thinking, if I as a YouTube learner. If I could get a degree from YouTube, what would it be? And I think at this point it has to be something about sewing, maybe a doctorate in sewing and certainly a doctorate plus plus in uh, Disneyland from all the (laughs) Disney videos I watch. What about you guys? I mean, generally I would get a degree in meditation because I use it a lot for like guided meditations. I love it for that. But then also fixing cars because I am not a mechanic in any way, shape or form, but my kids have car issues and I seem like such a knowledgeable person and so empowered when I can go to YouTube and teach them how to do something on their car. Do you tell them that YouTube told you how to do it? Absolutely. And I send them the link hoping they'll watch it and do it themselves. But let's be real. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they need a guiding agent, (laughs) which is what study hall generally is because you get access to a more guided environment than just watching videos on your own. Right. I would probably lie and tell them that I just knew it inherently. (laughs) (laughs) They would call me out on that so fast. (laughs) What about you? I love crash course i'd get a degree in crash course and uh you probably already have a bunch of credits if they were to look back at your history oh sure 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 <laughs> not, not, not as many study hall stuff because we've been working on it but also monsters when it's going to be exciting because the next episode we have emily zarka the oh, host of monstrum yes. and also one of the hosts of study hall as yeah. well one of the instructors and so we're going to be here in that next episode with a bunch of complexly people and uh and we'll get into more of the production of how things came to be so yeah. a lot of a lot of people 
from the team talking with a lot of people from the complexity team. A little more behind the scenes on this next mm-hmm. this next one. Mm-hmm. So definitely tune in for the next episode. And so uh, what can people do if they had any questions or anything like that? They can email us, stories at asu.edu. We're also on Instagram and on X, Twitter. I feel like there's still an identity crisis there, but we're there. So feel free to connect with us in those spaces. We'll see you there. Bye. 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 Course Stories is available wherever you listen to podcasts. You can reach us at coursestories at asu.edu. Course Stories is produced by the Instructional Design and New Media team at EdPlus at Arizona State University. If you're an instructor at ASU Online, tell us your course story and we may feature it in a future episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs>